And that was Like Animals by today's guest. Uh, it's episode seven of the Unsigned Podcast with me, Zach. And we've got Aaron from Mully and Skulder here. Hello, Aaron. How Hello. are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Top of the morning to you in of course, Canada yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, really, really uh, excited to have you on. Um, so, Like Animals, that was the first track. That was your first release, I believe, as the duo. Uh, am I correct there? Yeah, that was wild. 2018, yeah. we met, we got together. I, th I think there was a chemistry happening between the two. Well, obviously, still is. <laughs> <laughs> but to have had that opportunity to uh, write with someone like Sarah Wheeler was and is truly a gift. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I can I can hear that compatibility and... I'm going to be honest with you. I've had that song in my head for the last two days. I've been wow. singing it around the house. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it over here. Uh, I'm really vibing with it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Like Animals, was, it was the first track. Um, how did it come about? You know, do you want to break it down for us a bit on what the song is about to. and, you know, all that stuff, sort of stuff? Yeah, I would love to. Well, I guess about three years ago in the springtime, um, something to do with the changing of the seasons like when the sun is coming out a bit more you know it's getting a little warmer out and we're used to the winter fall darkness i i believe something happens in our bodies and our brains and me personally i can get quite excitable uh mm. you know don't need to sleep as much all that that stuff and ever since i really started making a serious effort to like spend as much money as I can recording music and writing music. I've just been so fascinated with these kind of like tortured artist types. Like there's, there's a really great documentary called Dig about the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown massacre. And there, there's also amazing documentary called The Devil and Daniel Johnston and talks a bit about the darker side of that creativity and how Sometimes some of the most prolific and genius artists do suffer from mental health issues. And I've always been fascinated by this. Hmm. So um, I kind of like really gravitated towards Sarah Wheeler in a way, because about that time three years ago, I was just a little afraid of the amount of energy and stokeness. And I just, you know, Sarah's been making music for longer than I have. So um, obviously, I was attracted to working with her as a collaborator, but also in a sense of just like, hey, like, do you know, have you ever had it when you're just so like, your brain is just going so intense all the time and you don't know what to do with all your energy and yeah, you know, let, we should write a song or we, we should do something. So um, that that's definitely a part of it. Yeah, that's a mm. part of that whole thing. That, that's excellent way of uh, sort of talking about it. And actually, I pulled a quote from an interview you did with Outlook TV and you said, you wanted to challenge some old school ways of doing things and freak people out. And I love that quote. I had to just grab oh, that cool. and mention it because that was, I, I really feel that with your music as well. And obviously we'll hear some more later on, um, but I'm really feeling that. And uh, I just wondered if you wanted to talk about your influences at all, you know, it is mentioned in your bios, but I don't know if you wanted to talk through that a little bit. Absolutely. That would be so rad. I mean, talking about, old school ways of doing things and freaking people out. Well, I guess as, as back in high school, like as far back as grade 10, I remember ending up in this art 
class and I was sitting with some really cool, uh, you know, very welcoming uh, women, young women, I guess, because we were in high school. <laughs> and um, this one gal, she gave me uh, a CD. It was called Galore, uh, The Cure, The Singles from I think mm -hmm. 87 to 97. And I just, that, that CD completely changed my life. Mm. Um, and, you know, I grew up in kind of a smaller town. So sometimes in like smaller towns and stuff, there's just that hard working, you know, tough man m mentality. And if you're going to be a teenager and like, you know, dress up like Robert Smith and stuff, <laughs> not exactly like him, yeah. but obviously <laughs> take bits of, of that aesthetic. Well, you know, not everyone in that small town might think that's as cool as I do. Mm. Uh, so that's, I mean, I guess part of me really gets a sense of fulfillment from if there's old school mentalities just in, in workplaces or whatever that's challenging me, then I, I kind of just want to challenge them back and do something yeah. that might, I guess, I don't know, make someone think twice or I don't know. <laughs> I, lo I love that. I really do. Um, it's a good way of going about your day to day, even, you know, as well as this music stuff. It's just a good way to be thinking, you know, especially in today's society with so much going on. Um, we're going to get onto a bit of a silly bit now. Uh, it's very silly. I do this with every cool. guest, but it's, it's called six quick fire questions. And essentially I'll ask them, you'll answer them as quick as you can. And some of them are music related sort of, but the rest of them really aren't. And it's just to get to know you a little bit better. So oh, we'll, we'll okay. jump straight in. What is your favorite time of the day? Um, I, maybe noon. Let's try noon. Lovely. Uh, would you prefer uh, going on a night out or staying in? Hmm. I, I usually stay in most of the time. Nice. So. Okay. This one's a bit of a thinker. And I always say this, but sometimes people come back straight away with answers and it surprises mm -hmm. me. But anyway, we're in a world where music just doesn't exi exist. And that's horrible, I know. I don't know why I've even come up with this, but it, it's happened. That's the situation I put you in. What are you doing, Aaron? What's your kind of career path looking like? Um, oh, okay. So hypothetically, if music did not exist, what would mm. I be doing? Okay. Yeah. Um, I would be smashing pieces of stone <laughs> into smaller <laughs> pieces of stone. <laughs> this has come to me now. Or I don't know, maybe doing something with plants. I've been really obsessed with plants lately. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, who would play you in a movie about your life? Say if we've skipped to the end of your life, unfortunately. Sorry to do that to you. But uh, who, is, who in the current kind of climate of actors is playing you? Well, uh, I'll just say it. I've always admired actor Ethan Hawke because I... I believe that him and I have a similar pattern of facial hair or <laughs> difficulty in maintaining. I mean, he, he's pretty good now. He's like 40, 50, but, you know, younger Ethan Hawke. I'm like, wow, he's like, <laughs> he's got the same thing I do. I see that actually a little bit. Um, the last song you listened to? Um, I was this morning. Goodness, what was it? I might have to check my phone. Yeah, go for it. it. I think go it was, it. I think it was um, actually, there was, Nouvelle Vogue, is that how you say it? Nouvelle Vague? They're like a, a French bossa nova duo thing. Oh, okay. I think it was their cover of Love Will Tear Us Apart. Right, there we go. And finally, a uh, bit of a 
overdone question, but what's the first thing you're going to be doing when we're back to the new normal, as I'm calling it now? Um, what's the first thing you want to do? Yeah, probably giving someone a hug. That's yes. Just, my brain just went straight to that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm very much uh, with you on that one. Um, so back to Molly and Skulder where cool. what we're here for i hope i'm saying that right i, I really yeah, hope my sounds, accent sounds. isn't ruining it <laughs> um tell so obviously everyone listening may or may not have heard of you we don't know um tell the listeners what you're about uh what they can expect when they're kind of wrapping their ears around your their mu- your music for the first time fantastic well i mean again like sarah wheeler the other half of million scholars she's not mm-hmm here uh right now obviously but you know personally how Molly and Scalder works for me is like I've worked in the film and television industry in Vancouver for about a decade now and sometimes we end up in really cool weird locations that I just would not otherwise know about and I've always felt that if you're in a really cool weird location there's there's a vibe there's an energy you, I don't, I can't describe it all. You just have to go there and check it out and, mm. and feel it. And it's awesome. And, um, you know, I, I admire groups like Depeche Mode. They've made some very, very ambitious videos in their career, like enjoy the silence where they're walking in the mountains and the <laughs> fields and stuff like that. And um, it's almost like if you go to a place like this, it could even be indoors, like an abandoned building, or, but a lot of outdoors almost like I can almost hear something in my head like a sound and uh I I've always been curious about how to how to find what that sound is or to pursue that sound or make something you can show other people and they give them that feeling Mm. being in some you know bizarre field or something or a mountain Mm. um yeah and so I Obviously, I want the music to sound good, mm. but I want it to feel good, too. I want it to yeah. a feeling. Yeah, and it definitely does, if I may say so. Um, you've sort of touched on this, uh, but we're going to take it back to the very beginning. So three years ago-ish. Um, so you and Sarah Wheeler met. Um, you know, like the, the very British fave, you like the cut of each other's jib, I guess. Um, yeah. Is... So did you know, not know each other previously? Was it just sort of, how did that all start? How did it all begin? We may have known of each other previously because we, we share a mutual friend. His name is John Roper. He has a wonderful group called Friction Project. And Friction Project were making a record in the, uh, I think it was the fall of 2017. And mm-hmm. both Sarah and Wheeler and I were brought into the studio on different days to record backing vocals. And I... I got to rent a megaphone and make all these weird sounds. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, so I remember hearing um, vocals that Sarah had recorded in the headphones as I was doing my stuff. And then it was about six months later in the spring of 2018, we both uh, played as our solo acts at a venue called the Railway Club, uh, opening for Friction Project. And yeah, just, you know, as you do, uh, watching the other bands play as you're getting ready to play or vice versa. And uh, I, I think we each saw something in the other. I certainly got a lot of inspiration watching Sarah perform. Hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, and I've sort of checked out uh, your in kind of solo stuff a bit, you know, yours and Sarah's. And honestly, both, you know, kind of watching it, watching you both individually and then seeing it brought together in Modern Scott. It's, so, it's such an exciting thing that's happened. And I'm glad to be talking to you now. Um, what would you say for the duo is the biggest achievement so far? Is there just one or is there kind of a few that stick out? That's an excellent question. And I've become quite fond lately of uh, taking long pieces of blue painting tape and writing messages to myself mm -hmm. and putting it on the wall. And the, the longest one I have is, is just, just to have made it this far is effing incredible. And I, <laughs> if I confused, I just look up and I stare at that and I'm like, all right, it is. But my goodness, I mean, I wanted to do a band I wanted to do something that used this name as early back as 2016 when I had almost like a religious experience on a weekend <laughs> trip to a wedding in, in, the, in a small, beautiful town. And, um, you know, I just can't believe that, like, we're, talk we're talking to you, like, we're talking to someone across the pond, as they say, yeah. who's, who's interested in what we're doing and want wants to know about it. Like, that. that's just so incredible. And obviously, like, it would not have gotten to this point without the help of so many others that believe in the project and mm. yeah, just want to do good things. So, uh, we're incredibly lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to chat to you, uh, today. Um, and the next question kind of takes the last one and then it challenges you a bit. Cause what would you say? I mean, it might be obvious because of what's going on currently, but what is the toughest challenge that you've had to face as, you know, as the two of you? Because obviously we've had all this going on and I wouldn't be surprised if that is up there, but is there anything, you know, any stories that, you know, you've been challenged and that's really, and you've overcome it sort of thing. I think so. Um, I said somewhat recently in a text message to Sarah that my latest drug of choice, as they say, is, is going on walks and listening to audiobooks on uh, mm. wireless headphones or self-help books or whatever. And uh, I, I stumbled across this really interesting one called uh, Taking the War Out of Our Words. And it, it's basically a, a textbook about the concept of power struggle. And I can really relate to this working in the film industry because, you know, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's just mm. not a fun time. So it's all about having that spider sense to just not be around if people are freaking out at each other or yeah. whatever. Um, so I think for me, myself, the biggest challenge has been to, um, obviously I, I do want to keep everybody happy that's involved mm. in this project. Um, but I don't think it's healthy to take that upon myself and try that thing. We are kind of all programmed to do like, Oh, you know, it's okay. We'll, we'll work this out. Like, obviously you want everyone to be happy, but, I think there is no shame in asking for help. And I think that help does exist uh, for mm -hmm. bands, uh, you know, just on, on the business side of things, on the planning side. Yep. So it, it's a little new to me to take that mm. step and keep involving more and more people. Um, but it, it's cool. I mean, I think the one of the most successful touring bands, Rammstein, is so up there in terms of the world stage. Like, I think they're super open, like, yeah, like, we have like band therapy and stuff and that's why the band is still together. So yeah, I love bands that are, are very open about how yeah. they've kept it going. 
Lovely. Um, cool. Um, last question before we kind of jump into the next track um, is a bit of a, another bit of a silly one, I guess, a bit of a cliche one. But um, is there an artist uh, alive or dead or un- unknown to many or known to many that you would love to collaborate with? The, like you think the two of you would work well with what on a track? Oh, wow. Well, I've I've been checking out some other episodes of the show and I've been thinking about this question for a long time because it's a, it's a great question. And it's a bit of a vague answer, but I want to say anyone who was in any way connected to the the punk movement in the Mm. the 70s. And I mean, I guess I can't really say this in terms of a Mullion Scalder thing, but I have a friend, his name is John Werner, and uh, he has a band called Seeing Things. But but John has played in bands in England from the 70s and the 80s, such as, you know, the, the pack and uh the straps and the pack recently had a reunion um tour in 2019 which is very exciting so um yeah like from a sound engineering point i'm just i'm able to like help record him a little Mm. bit and learn more about sound and it's so fascinating like that movement that occurred in the 70s and how it's branched out and how it's influenced the world and Mm. how it's influenced me yeah yeah Cool. Uh, okay, so we're going to jump into the second track now. Um, the song Billboards. Um, you can introduce it for us, but I just want to say a quote that I saw on it. Uh, well, I don't actually have the quote. I forgot to get it here, but it's along <laughs> the lines of uh, someone said that it was essentially Vancouver's anthem in a way. Um, so I'm really intrigued. Obviously, I was really intrigued about that. I've listened to it a few times and, uh, you know, I love the track. But yeah, do you want to introduce that for us? Absolutely. This is Aaron Trory from Mully and Scalder, and you're listening to Billboards on the Unsigned Podcast.
There we go. Billboards. Uh, obviously, as I've said, really, really brilliant track. I love, I've loved everything. I've listened to your kind of all of the tracks you've got there. Luckily, nice and uh, compact, and, but I'm hoping for more. Um, that's what I was left feeling. Um, we're going to sign of, sort of go and look at the live scene now. You know, um, Firstly, I want to kind of go back again and talk about whether you remember the first gig you went to. Um, what was the, you know, do you remember that gig? And did it have any, any sort of effect on you, you know, going towards now and looking at where you've, you've gotten to? Cool. Rad. I do remember the first live gig. I remember it was very exciting because I was with my dad and I think I was about 11 years old. Uh, it was The Offspring in Vancouver okay. in the summer of 2001. And um, they had just started playing. So I could hear the echoing and the distant sound as we were getting near to the venue and you, you see the people all. It was an outdoor gig at a nice. now defunct place called the Plaza of Nations. I think it was built for the, the 1986 World Expo when the world came to Vancouver or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and just like, it's so funny now because you got, you got the warehouse studio in Vancouver, uh, which is, I think, basically owned and operated by Brian Adams. And um, yeah, I love watching interviews with Bob Rock, whose production resume is so extensive and I think Bob Rock's done a lot of stuff with The Offspring in recent years. And anytime I've been lucky enough to be in the warehouse studio, they have those little bottles of the, the hot sauce that he makes, Dexter from The Offspring, Gringo Bandito hot sauce. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, so he's lovely. Pretty, pretty uh, interesting dude. Nice bit of, nice bit of hot sauce. <laughs> I, I, do, you like, do you like your spice then? <laughs> I've been trying to keep it pretty careful. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta protect your stomach, you know. Definitely. We, we definitely. need our stomachs to d digest food, but um, spice can do good things for us, I think. Yeah, um, I think I saw something. I know this is completely random, but I saw a, it was like a meme and I might not do it any justice now, but uh, it was essentially a chili, you know, saying make self hot so no one will eat it. And then humans like just consuming loads of them. And it's just like very interesting to think on um, because, you know, you know, they do have good aspects. But of course, there is that sort of idea that it might be a defense mechanism that it's set up for itself. And then we're just like, oh, it's all right let's make it hotter <laughs> oh yeah i mean that's such that weird thing i think that is prevalent also in like recording studio culture that whole idea of a happy accident like you invent mm. something to do but then someone uses it for something completely else and wow like, you know <laughs> how do you make that sound yeah definitely yeah um cool so still on the gigs um what was oh, the yeah. last sorry. gig sorry no it's my fault i can i went on chilies for a second for some reason um what was the last gig that you went to before it all got a bit weird around the world? I think the last gig I went to, uh, well, the, the, the last really big one I went to was Iron Maiden, which I'm okay. glad I got. I think Sarah was at that show too, because uh, they had, that was quite the show. They had a lot of props and explosions and things. But I think, <laughs> then on a smaller scale, I think it was a Canadian quartet called Sloan. Um, at the Com Commodore Ballroom, which is such a wonderful venue with a lot of uh, interesting history in Canada. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Mully and Skulda, what is a Mully and Skulda live experience like? Uh, can we expect to see you really getting back out there when everything's back to normal? And 
just a little addition because you're talking to me from the UK. Is there any chance you're going to try and get over here? I hope so. My goodness. I mean, we're definitely considering our options of how something like that would work. And mm. it's really a special thing now. Like if, if we're able to calculate the time difference and to set up a call with someone such as yourself in the UK or I was even talking to a, a friend in Amsterdam and mm. we were just, you know, to dream, how would a band like Mullion Scalder get to London or Amsterdam or, you know, can you get a train from Amsterdam to London? I've, I've heard it's quite nice. Yeah, you can. <laughs> um, that'd be awesome. I'd definitely be yeah. there. I'm sure everyone listening oh, would man. definitely be there too. Um, so, now a bit of a funny one, I guess. Uh, but as a duo, or maybe as a solo artist yourself, um, obviously we don't have Sarah here to ask, but um, what is the best gig you've ever played? And if there is one, is there a worst experience that you've had? Oh yeah, lots of those. Well, for some reason, um, my mind shoots to the year 2014. It was an interesting year for me. It was my first year being an official union member in the Vancouver film and television industry. And the work was really hard. I remember going to the dentist and I'm like, well, my teeth hurt all the time. And that's like, that's because you're stressed out and you're clenching your teeth at night, you know, because of your job. Or They didn't say that, but that was the gist of it. And <laughs> I remember one Sunday I was, I'm not like, like a religious dude, but I was almost like praying, like, please, like checking my Facebook, like, please, someone send me a message. Like, I don't want to go to work on Monday. And I actually got a message saying, hey, uh, we need a guitar player for this band called Rika, or this artist called Rika. So I got to to play these four um, Western Canadian dates with this singer Rika, who has a very electronic sound. And mm -hmm. I remember, I think it was the first date. It was weird because there's this band called Mother Mother, and the singer from Mother Mother he produced her then album Kodiak. And I I had to learn all his guitar parts, and I he I could see him staring at me as we're playing the first song <laughs> i'm like oh you better get it right <laughs> and i just remember it was so magical because we were playing in in uh, penticton in this interior city at a festival and i could see the sun going down behind the mountains as we were playing so the obviously the first half of our set was in the, the sunset light and the second half was you know dusk and the lighting mm. was becoming more dynamic and i was playing all these parts for the first time and i was just like yeah like this is a great yeah thank you for yeah. that that was a great memory and uh you know worst gigs well you know there's there's a lot to, to pick from there but uh i've had to do a lot of work on myself um mm. basically just anytime someone comes up to me and said hey your guitar's too loud you know better figure it out mm. and uh you know i I think the worst thing I've ever done when that's happened is I've just I've just kind of had a had a bad attitude for the rest of the show but <laughs> I understand where, where people are coming from when they say something like that. Obviously, you know, there's there's more and more people every day and there's only so much real estate in the city and prices of everything are just going up, mm. up, 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 up. And, you know, people like to complain about noise, but people also have, you know, a right to feel safe and comfortable in their own homes. So well, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this, but, um, you know, I've I played in a cover band uh, at a pub called the Blarney Stone Pub in Vancouver for almost five years. So that taught me a lot about band dynamics and, and politics. Mm. And I almost felt at times like it would be good initiation if I wanted to get a job in government or something. 
just oh, the bureaucratic gosh. nature of how to make things happen it takes a mm. lot no okay uh cool um so next one uh we're gonna end again this sort of section with another random cliche question i suppose but is there a music festival anywhere in the world maybe it's a past past one that doesn't happen anymore or one that is still happening is there one that you feel Mully and Skoda would be perfect for and you really really want to you really want to do it someday well or... yeah i mean i'm not like i'm not an expert on world festivals and i'll, I'll try and stick to the point because i'm getting pretty off topic but the other day oh i love that i love that <laughs> <laughs> the other day i was worried I, I might be having a heart or i was i was worried i i didn't want to have a heart attack so i went and i bought some aspirin because i was stressed out Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everyone knows this. I accidentally recorded part of a band meeting we had just before COVID because I was trying to show everyone a cool thing I recorded on my phone. Right. I didn't know it was recording. And I remember like just listening back to it out of curiosity and it really calmed me down. And we were, we were talking about Glastonbury and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sarah knows someone that was invited to perform at Glastonbury. And, you know, there's just so much like, lore and legends surrounding that festival you say that word everyone knows what it is so yeah in my little moment there of um, having a stress time <laughs> i just found this old old conversation about it. i'm like yeah you know i think everything's gonna be okay just think yeah. about glastonbury Why nice not? lovely um cool that, that's great answer uh and moving on swiftly uh i don't want to take up too much of your time of course um so we've spoken on the whole covid situation a couple of times it's just sort of something that we speak about now it's just it's happening can't really avoid it but i just wanted to ask how have you sort of found keeping up that creative drive and motivation throughout because i've seen on social media you know it seems like you're quite active in doing stuff and of course as you mentioned you're working in the you know film and tv industry yeah uh which is really interesting you know that's another world uh that's linked to music of course but you know mm-hmm. how have you found keeping that all up and you know in generally are you okay <laughs> the yeah the first thing i i would want to just say is it's made me realize how and i be careful i don't I swear how effing swear. <laughs> lucky how fucking lucky i am yes. like so <laughs> lucky i mean to be able to go to have a job and to get to interact with people and obviously there's a lot of protocol in place for Vancouver film and television. But when COVID hit, I didn't, I had a, I didn't have a job. I sort of had a job lined up, but it got canceled from COVID. Mm. And I, I basically taken the entire month of January and February off just, just to fulfill some Molly and Scalder commitments and mm-hmm. figure out some stuff. Um, before the pandemic, it just felt like go, go, go get things done and felt like it was taking a toll on my health a little bit. And just, it, it was, it's good to have, slowed down a little and uh it's really forced me to again like i've said work on myself or try to get deep down with maybe some issues i've i've had throughout my life i've i've felt for most of my life creatively blocked or like if i am being creative and writing a song it's it's i can't control when it happens if Mm. if it does happen i'm very lucky and i do the best i can but yeah I felt that kind of frustrating at times and I felt almost like a sense of shame of, of the body of work I've done by myself because I know it was written in a very short period of time and just cause it happened. Um, so that's been interesting about the, the COVID thing. I mean, I think like in sports medicine, like sports medicine is such a huge in industry. And if I was an athlete, 
and I had any kind of a physical injury, like my arm or my leg, like there'd be a team of people mm. that could, you could pay them and they would help me learn about how to get, fix my arm or whatever. But I think with songwriting in the brain, it's, you know, there are people I think you can, you can talk to. And just again, like having been able to work with Sarah Wheeler and co-write with Sarah, um, mm -hmm. that's such an incredible gift. And I've said many times at work, like, yeah, I can't work Friday because I'm, I'm apprenticing under a, a master song writer <laughs> and I might just be met with like a blank stare or whatever. <laughs> um, so the whole COVID thing has, has in a way forced me to, to deal with some things that I've been, you know, putting off dealing with mm. as long as I can remember just because life's been so busy. That's yeah. probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I found that as well, actually. And I really relate to what you've just said. Uh, many of the things you've just said actually um you know not you know it's it's been an interesting one for sure um you know dealing with things that you really didn't expect to deal with sort of thing and even though that might be a good thing though i suppose um in the long run um so you've sort of touched on it the writing of your songs and i also watched that i think it was in that uh, outlook tv interview that i so I think Sarah sort of said that you two kind of, you know, when it comes to writing, you really, there's just this synergy sort of thing and this like real reliance on each other for the songs and their successes. So I just wanted to sort of ask, is there a process? But you've sort of touched on the fact that it sort of comes in random waves, which I can very much relate to. Yeah. But yeah. is there a process or, you know? I, I, yeah, I can totally tell you right now our secret formula, the... <laughs> You know, like the, the fried chicken guy, <laughs> Sanders, he's got the secret yeah. spice. Yeah. I think it's fine to say. Um, like the first song, Like Animals, it was so interesting because it was that day I was on the phone with someone who has a bit of, le let's say, legal expertise, legal mm -hmm. advice. Like, how can we safely do a band called Molly and Scald, all this stuff. It was probably the second long phone call I'd had with this person. Mm -hmm. And was that night I was actually visiting some family um, on Vancouver Island and was helping my my cousin get some of her songs together. Anyway, um, I was almost about to fall asleep. I was lying in bed. The <laughs> Pacific Ocean was making ocean sounds. It was so beautiful. It was this black void out there. And I hear in my head, I just hear, it's almost like I'm dreaming, but the dreaming is like sound in the brain. Oh, really? I'm so yeah. sleepy. And I want to go to sleep, but the sound is so cool. So I realized, oh, there's a bass in this room. Go, go to the bass. Get the bass. Okay, I've got the bass. Where's my phone? Turn on the phone. And I just do, 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 do. I can almost do a bit. Go for it. Here I've got a bass kind of like. Um... I think that's all, all I yeah. had. Something like that. And nice. Like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like C sharp, you know? Okay, go mm. to C. All that stuff. <laughs> So I think, I, I don't know, I might've emailed that to Sarah the next day, but I think I know, like that was like April, 2018. Right. Then I think it was a series of booking, a series of um, sessions with Sarah at Rufus Guitar Shop where then Sarah was teaching in person. Now a lot of Sarah's teaching is online. Mm -hmm. um, and we just developed those notes and that key into chords and lyrics and Reminds me a lot of reading about uh, the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds where Brian Wilson would sit down with uh, lyricist Tony Asher 
and they would just have like an hour long conversation about their lives and mm. romantic experiences and things like that, that I guess young men would talk about in the mid sixties. And Sarah and I, yeah, we, we would have a lot of interesting conversations <laughs> about stuff that's affecting us in our lives. Mm. And I could just ramble on and on like I'm doing to you now. Yeah. Sarah yeah. might pick a few key points like that's an interesting word or that's an interesting combination of words. Mm. Um, so I think we had two or three writing sessions for that and then just went in the studio. And then by the time we're in a studio, then it's kind of seems to be about, you know, we, we give up some control to whoever's for and like animals. It was Matt de Pompano at Echo Plant Sound. Um, and recently we've been working with Jason Corbett of the band actors at Jackknife Sound. So yeah, then by the time you're in the studio and you have the pre-production flushed out, then it's about, I think, mm. you know, giving up a bit of control to the producer. Yeah. They're going to make decisions, um, convince you that it's a good thing to do. And, and it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a special thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I can really tell, you know, the whole synergy thing and the, it's, it's lovely actually. Like I, as a solo artist, I've never had that, but I sort of see that with you guys and I just love like the idea of it and I love watching like listening to you talk about it is it's just fascinating to me and it's great and you can just hear it in the songs like I don't know it's another thing where I can't really explain it in solid words but it's just it's excellent um wow. yeah I, I can I can compliment you guys for hours probably uh I'm very sort of apt at doing doing that when I like something um but yeah anyway moving on to kind of the tail end of it now we are sure. you know wrapping up um so for Molly and Skulder for 2021 what is the next goal what is the sort of aim yeah I I'd love it if we could release a record this year I, mm -hmm. I think that that's a pretty realistic goal um again you know we're working hard on the business side of things just making sure that we have some kind of a plan. I don't, as of right now, I don't think that Molly and Scalder has any kind of existing business model. If, if it were say to become a money earning project and not just a money spending project. <laughs> so that, that's, that's a good thing to do. Um, yeah, I would really love to get a record out and maybe if we don't press a ton of copies, but just enough copies that, people that really love it and care can have hold something in their hands i think that's a yeah. huge one that, yeah that's a right of passage right there mm, it definitely is um okay and then i'll skip that one i think we've already covered it <laughs> uh so just most importantly arguably i mean i think we've covered so much wonderful stuff here you've told me some really great stories and it's nice to see you reminiscing it's nice to see someone sort of oh, yeah. remembering things it's it's really nice sort of uh, thing to do but um, is there anything you want to take the time now and sort of promote is there anything you want to just push out there for the people that are listening right now wow well <laughs> I sort of went off and I was talking about my friend John Werner's project seeing things and how it really inspires me working with him how he was involved of the first wave punk movement in mm -hmm. like England in the seventies. Um, but you know, Molly and Scalder wouldn't be where it is today without our managers, Matt LaForest and Julianne Bell. Um, yep. Matt LaForest also is responsible for the visual component of Molly and Scalder. 
and um, he has his, his brand, La Forest Creative. He does graphics for other bands. Okay. Um, Matt has a group called Micras. I have I have their logo right. I know if you're listening, you can't see it, but I can. Um, I can. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Kind it's of nice. kind of an instrumental. Again, like I just I love soundscapes and. Mm -hmm because Matt has helped us in so many ways, um, you know, anything I can really do um, to contribute to what Matt's yeah. doing on a sonic level. Matt sent me a few things and I've, I've been able to, you know, work with some loops and riffs and, and send it back to him. And that's, that's a very different way of working than the Mully and Scalder thing. Yeah. So if there's ever a time when Mully and Scalder is not being super active, um, I could really see myself getting into the, the micros projects on micros there we go yeah helping create content so yeah he's he's got an yeah. instagram account and you can check out the logo it's a beautiful logo i printed it out i put it on my wall and yeah it's yeah, great man. uh yeah I, I urge people listening to go and check out that uh instagram look at the logo it's very nice um <laughs> uh of course then um i'll obviously post these on the bio of the episode but where can people find yourself sarah the band and of course your music oh yeah i mean Sarah has a wicked website. Um, Sarah performs live occasionally and does uh, well live streams in this COVID era as Sarah yep. Wheeler in the Black Salt Sea. That's very exciting. Um, I would implore anyone to Google Sarah Wheeler, read about Sarah Wheeler, check out Sarah Wheeler's music. Mm -hmm. um, we, of course, Mully and Scalder have a website. I've been realizing if you just Google Mully and Scalder, some pretty interesting things come up. Yeah, yeah, it so, does. <laughs> you know, some of it's to do with us. Some of it is more like other, you know, fan stuff to do yeah. with the <laughs> television show, which is great. Um, yeah, we're on, we're on all the socials. We're on Instagram and Spotify and all that stuff. Um, I've got some stuff out too under Aaron Trory. You can check out if you want. Yep. Um, but yeah, I Julianne Bell has just put so much love into our website. I, I love our website. Um, so yeah, check it's it out. It's a great website, actually. I, I, I enjoyed scrolling through and looking through all the stuff. So again, urge everyone to go do that. Um, so yeah, we are just going to jump into that final track to play us out now. It's your, obviously your most recent release, Mully and Scalder. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just talk about that track a little bit? And then, yeah, we'll jump into it. Wow. Heartbreaking was such a massive lesson that we learned. And again, it, there's something about this project that's very unpredictable. Sometimes there's what seems like a great obstacle in our way and i can make myself sick thinking oh how are we going to do this i don't even know what can i do i can't ah. and then something happens i don't know mm. so heartbreaking you know i i run out of ideas i remember showing up to uh sarah's pad a uh, one, wonderful apartment to write something all i had was my moog synthesizer and it was literally just like watching someone channel the cosmic universe and be a conduit of the universe like Tom Petty talks about and I had this Moog synth and I came up with this line and we ended up recording it at the warehouse studio um, mm -hmm. that Brian Adams owns and operates because we we were just you know hang, like hanging out with one of the engineers there she's very lovely Annie Kennedy and trying all this experimental stuff and then some time passed and I think, hey, can we have those stems? Like we should, we should get this mixed. This sounds really good. Mm. So we go to get it mixed at Jackknife and basically <laughs> the song ends up being almost completely re-recorded at Jackknife. Okay. <laughs> but we had this template and it taught me that like, 
you can go to the moon and back with making weird sounds and just do everything you can think of, but you don't necessarily have to use it. And, you know, like just to bring someone a sketch of an idea like Jason from Actors, and then that's cool, but then it could be something else in the bigger picture. So that, that kind of inspired me to then start getting a little more ambitious with the pre-production. Mm. But, um, you know, the writing of this song, Heartbreaking, was such a beautiful, beautiful moment. And again, Sarah, Sarah has Sarah's story about the song, which I think yep. Sarah may have spoken about before, and I, I don't want to speak for Sarah, but I, I really love where Sarah was coming from, talking about, um, I, th I think one of the themes was the dating scene. Anyway, just that was a beautiful moment writing that song when those mm. melodies came to us and i'm just glad the song exists and it's out there and you know <laughs> yeah thank you so much for just being interested in this project and, and playing our music oh of course uh and any and i'll keep an eye on anything you guys do from now on you're a friend of the podcast uh and you're welcome back anytime mm -hmm. uh if you're ever in the uk then you know we'll try and set something up maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah but yeah. um let's uh it's been a pleasure having you on aaron and talking about Thank money and school and everything else uh you've told some great stories uh, i'm really I, I really appreciate it um uh, but yeah so last track to play us out like Woo! introduce it for us aaron this is the unsigned podcast with aaron from mully and scalder you are listening to heartbreaking by mully and scalder <laughs> cheers mate thank you cheers